part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I am your host, Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Kegley. John, what's up, man? Wait, 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 wait. wait. What's up? What's up? What's up? Answer no, the question. Hold on, what's hold up? on, what's hold up? on. Answer hold the on. question. Answer the question. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up is how am I not hosting right now? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. So you lost your uh, ability to say what's up to the people now. So on behalf of John Keg, I say what's up to all of you guys. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching this week, which has been quite a few things, quite a few things we're excited to talk about. Um, and then we're going to get into our top five World War II movies before we talk about Jojo Rabbit and finish off the episode with a little review on Last Christmas, uh, the film by, uh, well, the film with Amelia Clark, directed by um, Paul F- Paul Feig. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Paul Feig or Feig? Uh, I I think it would be Feig, but I have no idea. Okay, well we'll talk. About <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll talk about Last Christmas and, and all that shit there at the end of the episode. But for now, I think uh, there's something that we've been really excited for that just came out recently that I'm sure you guys have been excited for also. Uh, have you guys heard about Disney Plus? John, have you heard of Disney Plus? Have you heard about Disney? Wait, what is what is this Disney you speak of? I don't know. I've never heard of it. But they just released a, a new streaming service. Another Tuesday? Netflix? Another Netflix, bro. Another Netflix copy. Crazy. They even took some films from Netflix, too. <laughs> um, well, Disney Plus released Tuesday, as I'm sure you're all aware of. Uh, and with that, a bunch of uh, new releases came out exclusive to the streaming service. You know, you have uh, Noel, the new film with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. That's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Dumb question. Dumb question. Never mind. Um, what else? They, oh, Lady, Lady and the, the Tramp. Tramp came out. The new live action Lady and the Tramp came out. The Jeff Goldblum show. I still haven't seen that, actually. It's actually pretty good. The, the only, um, the first episode is about um him going to like a sneaker convention and just learning more about shoes in general and stuff like that it's actually pretty cool what the fuck is that show <laughs> is that show it's even? literally jeff goldblum like like is it just episode. him like interacting with the world yes and it's like every episode is dedicated to some new thing that he's learning about like so like the whole sneaker industry and and you know the hype behind sneakers and you know what i mean that's what the entire first episode about there'll be like you know episodes about him you know with people that have like obsession with tattoos and and you know the list goes on video games or whatever the hell you know what i mean interesting uh how long are each episode uh i think like 30 minutes 40 minutes maybe that's not bad well in my opinion most importantly was uh the mandalorian came out tuesday tuesday morning however i know on web browsers disney plus was out late monday night or early tuesday morning depending on what kind of person you are um depending on if you have buena vida if you have buena vida um i had buena vida monday so i saw this shit like at bro it was late it was like 
two three in the morning i was yeah, literally I was about up. to you text me i was literally about to go to sleep and then you were like hey disney plus is up on browsers yeah and i was like i guess i gotta watch the mandalorian so john why don't we talk about the mandalorian episode one all right what do you think well i'm a huge star wars fan um unlike most or not i'm gonna say most but unlike a lot of people um i'm actually a fan of the new uh the new movies that come out I actually like, I like the Last Jedi. I, I know it's a very controversial thing to talk about. I'm I actually a lot of scenes in that movie made me cringe. Don't get me wrong, but I enjoy it. Um, where would you put it? Like, would you say it's like a top five Star Wars film for you? Top five? Are we including like Solo and Rogue One and all that? Yeah, yeah, of course. <sighs> Probably not, but I've never really hated a Star Wars movie other than like maybe Episode One and Two. Okay, okay, this might be a better question. Do you like it more than Revenge of the Sith? No. Revenge of the Sith is actually a great movie. Okay, good. Good answer. But but The Last Jedi like I I feel like has a lot of scenes in it that are very uh I don't know, there's there's a lot of scenes in that movie that that make you cringe, but there's a lot of scenes in that movie that that get you hyped up. You get what I'm saying? Like I don't know. I'm a fan of it and I'm actually excited to see where this next movie goes. Anyways, we're getting off topic. Um, I am a fan of Star Wars. I'm a fan of the new stuff. So the Mandalorian, obviously, I was super hyped to get going into it. I love John Favreau for the most part. I hate Lion King, but everything else he's done, I like. Um, so I figure with him on board, you know, Taika Waititi on board, Dave Filoni on board. If you don't know who Dave Filoni is, he's like a mastermind of Star Wars. He should um, be like the Kevin Feige. Yes, of, I agree. Of the Star Wars division, they should at, literally at let him run Disney. Star Wars stuff. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, um, with those three, you know, not not in charge per se. Like I don't think Taika Waititi has too much of a say, even though he's directed it. He's already directed a few episodes for The Mandalorian. Um, you know, these guys are like one of the best storytellers in Hollywood. And uh, with all of them, you know, controlling the ship for where this show is gonna go, <clears throat> I knew it was gonna be good. The first episode was I thought was amazing. Um, and I I think Stephen can agree with me. Like the first episode has like this like western samurai old style vibe to it you get what i'm saying like yeah yeah. it's it's just it it really feels like an old western like it's so i don't know it's, it's just so well done it brings us into new territory um you know planets that we've never seen you know aliens that we've never seen um this movie mostly takes place, like I think, like in the Outer Rim, you know, planets that you know that we haven't ever discussed in any Star Wars content. Um, so I'm actually super excited about where this future is gonna go. Um, are we getting into spoilers right now? Um, no. Let me. Yeah, give your little first. quick review, and then we'll go into like a spoilers for a second, because obviously there's something that happens in this episode that I actually want to talk about for a second. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm super excited to see where this show goes. Petro Pascal is, is amazing as the Mandalorian, even though, you know, he doesn't have to act with his face and all that stuff, which people think that people might think that, you know, just because you can't see his face, like it's going to be easier for him. I actually disagree. I think not being able to convey your emotions and all that stuff with facial expressions makes it harder for you to act. And I think he does a really good job with the Mandalorian. Um, so with that being said, I liked it a lot. What do you think about it, Steven? 
Okay, so The Mandalorian Episode 1. I liked it. I wasn't, you know, over the moon for it. I think, like, what we received, I think, was good enough for a first episode. Although, it's kind of weird because I think the first episode feels more like a prologue to the rest of the, like, series. Feels like a prologue in a book. Kind of, like, setting up what the rest of the book is going to be about, in a way. Uh, Not that that's a problem. I don't know. That's just kind of the vibe that I got from it. I think this uh, episode, and I think uh, it's indicative of the series. I think this is like a perfect blend of the sequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Uh, Because for those of you who don't know, this series takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. I don't remember how many years that is before The Force Awakens. I think it's like... 30 years or something. I don't know if it's like 30 years, but... I think it's like two, maybe like lower twenties, like upper teens. Nah, um, I, I think it's like the the amount of time that it's been since we had the um, Return of the Jedi. Like that's how long it's been in the Star Wars universe as well. You know what I'm saying? Are you sure? I, I'll no, Google this it is while five years. Wait, this is like five, I know I know for a fact that this is five years after Return of the Jedi. That, no, no, I, I I agree with that. I'm talking about you know how long. Um, you know, the Empire has been destroyed. Whatever, bro. Keep going. What are you... <laughs> okay. I have no <laughs> idea where I'm going with this. Okay. Um, I like the episode. I think Pedro Pascal is as good as the Mandalorian. Uh, I think he does this great job of being kind of like uh, Clint Eastwoody in the Dollars trilogy. I think he does a great job of replicating that sort of, you know, vicious rogue bounce... Well, not rogue, but, you know... This bounty hunter swagger to him. It's kind of like this aura and this mythos around this character uh, that I think works really well. I like, uh, I love Werner Herzog. So, you know, his appearance in the show, I loved. And I think it's setting him up to be a pretty major player in the rest of the series, which we'll talk about later when we get to spoilers, because I think we want to talk about the same thing. Um, I liked the new droid. I think was it IG eighty eight. I think his name 11. is played by played by Taika Waititi. IG eleven. Um, IG eleven. Okay. Uh, I like his character. He's pretty cool. There's not really much to say about this episode because it's really setting setting up the series. I like the way that the Mandalorian mythos is kind of handled. They're kind of you know this mysterious group of warriors who aren't now what they once were they kind of looked at in this like you know scary light or not scary but you know they're very daunting they're a very daunting presence yeah um i think this film also does a lot of like really small things for the universe like a lot of like the payments like i think this does a better job of world building than any of the most recent star wars films i agree besides maybe like rogue one I think this I think this episode does like a, just a lot of the little things right that make this world feel like really lived in. I know like for like the new Star Wars trilogy, that's like one of my biggest problems with it where yeah, everything feels like a regurgitation, but there's no and like there's no real like identity to these places. Like uh Taco Dana from The Force Awakens, Crate I mean, I guess just has those little like wolf like salt wolf things running around it 
Uh, but I don't know. They didn't really feel like real places. Uh, so that's one thing I really like about about this episode. Uh, I, I'm excited. I think it does a good job of of getting you or getting viewers, you know, hyped up for what's to come. I think. Yeah, I think it's a good. Established... It's a good like. Like the episode is good at like reeling you in, you know, it gets you hooked on, you know, it's not the best episode ever of, of a TV show, but it's, it's just enough where you're like interested. You get what I'm saying? And you're like, I, yeah. I'm actually curious where they're going to go with this, especially with the way that the episode ends. Yeah, absolutely. And also another thing that, that I really appreciate that I think now has kind of been like lost in Star Wars, like especially with the newer movies. I'm really happy that we have like central characters that aren't humans. Oh my you know, god! I'm, gl- yes. I'm glad that we now have like characters who have like more than like five lines that are like a distinct alien species. Because that's one of the really big problems that I have in the new Star Wars in the new Star Wars films. And I guess the o- the OT kind of had these problems too, where you have like Luke, Han, Leia. Um, you know, all these like human main characters, but it wasn't really a problem back then because, you know, since those were the, were the original films. And I think that's one of the, one of the things the prequel trilogy does really, really, really well. And I think that the sequel trilogy completely dropped the ball on where you have like Poe, you have Finn, Rey, uh, Kylo Ren, you have, you know, Luke, Leia Han, you have all these human characters, but the whole like alien extraterrestrial element like sci-fi element is kind of lost in that where you have all these alien characters, but they're all second, not even secondary. They're all like tertiary characters or like characters that were made just to sell, you know, action figures or like plush toys, like the Porgs or like the little ice wolves. And like, I think there's like a new alien that they just showed for the new trailer for uh, the rise of Skywalker that I'm like 90% sure is made just to sell toys and like little plush figures. Yes. Um, And that's one thing that really bothers me about the sequel trilogy so for me, it's like, like for to be watching the Mandalorian. And there's like suckers out there that just like just buy into it, bro. Like the Porgs. Like I remember yeah. when they when they first released the Porgs. Like my brother bought like all these like stuffed animals and shit. I'm like, bro, come on. And then yeah, he, like, like they're cute, but like, dude, it's like they're literally like you're the audience that they're just selling toys for because they know you're gonna buy it. Like they're cute, but it's so blatant. Like of the tr- like the, the the true purpose of these characters like is so blatant. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So like I'm ha- like watching the Mandalorian. You know, I'm happy to be seeing, you know, main characters that. Yeah, for- I'm happy to be seeing like you know the return of kind of like the importance of alien characters. Yeah, I think um, um, obviously Dave Filoni understands the Star Wars uh, universe better than anybody. Um, John Favreau, I think, too, is like really trying to get like establish that how different these these this TV show is going to be from you know the movies that we're used to, which are obviously the new ones. Um, I I think too like that they've heard the complaints about the new movies. You know what I mean? And I feel like they've they're gonna they're trying to set a different tone with this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess they're like they're like okay, we kind of see disney plus as being like our new like we could really tap into this disney plus market and like what it offers in the sense of like tv shows just do something completely different yeah and i think they kind of learned their lesson from the sequel trilogy however i don't have high hopes 
for the Rise of Skywalker because I don't think I, I think the way that the whole sequel trilogy was handled uh really poorly, which I'm not gonna get into right now because we'll be here forever. I'll talk about it when yeah, the Rise we, of Skywalker review, comes out yeah. when we review that. But I think Disney or well the Lucasfilm division at Disney sees the potential of Disney Plus and how it relates to their stories and how they could tell their stories. And I think, you know, they're heading in the right direction with, you know, the Obi-Wan trilogy that's coming out, which I'm super excited for. Um, they have the Rogue One prequel that's centered around Cassian, which I'm excited for. Because uh, I like Cassian as a character, personally. Uh, so I think... I think Star Wars... Like, the demise of Star Wars uh, that you've been seeing, like, on the internet since The Last Jedi came out, it's, like, super over-exaggerated. Say what you want about the new uh, sequel films, but I think there's a lot of room for Star Wars to grow, especially now with Disney Plus and seeing Dave Filoni, uh, you know, being more involved and whatnot. I mean, you have the the final season for the Clone Wars coming out for God's sakes, and that's like, well, like it's been like five years since it was canceled. Yeah, like five so six I, years. I think, while the sequel trilogy is, depending on who you talk to, um, disappointing. Uh, I think Disney Plus has a lot of opportunity for the for this franchise. A hundred percent. Um. Okay. So now that we've you know reviewed our uh, our Mandalorian episode without spoilers, let's get into the spoilers real quick before we uh move on. Um. So what I wanted to talk about. Um. If you have seen the episode, if you're listening to this, and if you haven't, you just don't care. This is a pretty big spoiler. At the end of the episode, um, one of the uh, persons, I guess you can say that the Mandalorian is tasked to bring in, um, ends up being a baby Yoda, I guess you could put it. I mean, I, I don't know what species Yoda is. It's an alien, like, uh, it's an alien of Yoda's species. Yeah. It's a baby. It's a baby. And the, the funny thing too, is like when the guy, um, that what's his face is, uh, that plays, um, I don't remember his his name in the show, but it's Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah. When he's um <clears throat> describing to the Mandalorian um of this person, he's like, "Oh, he's fifty years old." Blah blah blah. So you're sitting here thinking like you're about to see a fifty year old man, but then he goes into you know the room where Baby Yoda is, and it's just a little tiny baby. And then he's like, "Wait a second, I thought he was fifty years old." And uh, IG Eleven has to tell him like, well, "You you got to remember, alien, you're some species age differently." Yeah, like I remember Yoda says that he he had trained in the Force for like eight hundred years or or some shit like that. I think he mm-hmm. dies at like upper nine hundreds. Yeah, he dies at like upper nine hundred a thousand. I think so. Um, this is a, a super 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 young Yoda species. Um, you know whatever, bro. I don't know what they're gonna do with this, but that that shit has me excited. Um, I think they're going towards like uh, a storyline revolving around. Uh, the lone wolf and the cub trope where basically it's like obviously we know well like for those of you who have seen the episode we know obviously that the mandalorian isn't going to kill this baby and i'm like 90 if Wait, i have to bet my life on it what was that ig11 at the end of the, at the end of that episode or no the one that the mandalorian shoots yeah yeah oh but i thought he was like in every episode I thought so too. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> so I he is like, a droid. He is a droid, so he'll probably get like rebuilt or something. Okay, okay, okay. But um, obviously, I don't think he's gonna like turn in the baby alive because that's one of the things that Werner Herzog uh, told him to do. So yeah. 
I guess it'll be like Werner Herzog ordering like other bounty hunters to kill the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian doing God knows what with the baby, I guess taking him somewhere. Uh, I, I, I really have no idea, but I, I am excited to see where this goes. Cause there is like a lot of, there is a lot of room for, for like an exciting new storyline. I just really hope this baby isn't like Yoda's baby or some shit. Cause that'd be really stupid. That would be so dumb, but I don't think they would ever do that. Yoda, you mean like like an offspring of Yoda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Yoda's like child somehow through like the forest or some okay. other bullshit. Yeah, I was honest. I don't think that they would do that. And if they did, I would be so mad. I, I think Dave Filoni for sure would never do that. But um, I mean, like what I'm thinking about is like you know how Jedi don't believe, at least the older Jedi, um, don't believe in 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 marriage or or having kids and and just having like strong relationships and anakin came and fucked that all up yeah anakin literally destroyed all that um that's why i like that's the only thing that i i can think of that's why that is why uh that won't happen but um i'm actually excited man like we don't really you know to see like this the species kind of you know get brought brought back up again like we haven't really dove into anything with yoda in like years you know what i'm saying so it's it's, yeah, it's exciting I, i'm excited to learn more about about the species and this is such like an interesting dynamic for yeah, star wars so 100 uh I, I really am excited to see where this goes uh the mandalorian episode two comes out this friday i don't know when episode three comes out however i know that episodes two and three premiered. no episode three comes out next week friday it's like it's like every friday oh, okay well at least we're getting two episodes this week like episode yeah. one and two Does, is there have they like set a time for when it comes out on friday i have no idea to be honest all right well i'm assuming like i'm assuming midnight yeah that's what i'm thinking too which i hope you know what i mean i could be wrong um so episode two comes out this friday i guess episode three comes out next friday i know these two episodes premiered very recently i think either yesterday or this morning um and those reviews are you know they're very positive so i'm excited to see where this goes yeah 100 percent um so that's our review on the Mandalorian, which you got obviously you guys can tell we're excited for the future. Um, another thing that we kind of want to dive into is uh, a show that I haven't watched yet, which I've been hearing amazing things from friends. Um, is the show Succession, which I know Steven absolutely adores, and uh, I think you once said that it's the best show on TV, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I really wanted to talk about this because. Uh, season two just ended like i think like a month ago and it's gotten a, a fair amount of hype now like since the emmys since it won um best writing in a drama series for season one uh but i haven't really heard many outlets you know talk about it i mean it's had its fair share of like think pieces and reviews since the emmys and whatnot and about how succession is you know, like HBO's new great show and whatnot. Um, so I wanted to talk about it, at least on today's episode. I wanted to talk about it last week. However, I wanted to finish season two before I, you know, I went in, you know, completely. But now that I have finished season two, I just want to say that right now, yes, I truly do believe that this is the best show on television, if not one of the best shows on television right now. Oh, this show is incredible, man. Like the, the writing into the show, the dialogue between the characters. Um, I think the acting is 
some of the best acting I've seen in a television show in a long time. For those of you who don't know what Succession is, this is your first time hearing about the show. Um, this is an HBO show revolving around a very powerful and influential family who runs a uh, media conglomerate. It's like they own news outlets. They uh, run a theme park. They run they run a bunch of shit. Kind of similar to like the Murdochs. I think the Murdoch family was like a big inspiration for this. And it's basically about that family and how they're dealing with who's going to be named successor, you know, if the father steps down or passes away or, or and whatnot. So it's, you know, three, four children, technically, three of them are involved in the company and they're kind of fighting for their dad's, you know, respects and, and the admiration of their peers and whatnot. In a way, this show kind of re- reminds me or I guess like one of the best examples I could give of the show is like if Game of Thrones focused only on the Lannister family, although like the people in this show are less, you know, like cunning and they're still like manipulative and whatnot, but they're not as, I guess, patient as the Lannisters are. Hmm. Um, I, but the reason I draw the Lannister comparison is because obviously it's a rich a rich family full of unlikable characters. However, each one of them is incredibly complex and sympathetic where like, even if to the point where even if they are, you know, terrible people, you could still root for them because of the situations that they're placed in or, you know, the, um, the situations that come up to oppose them. I I don't want to get into spoilers because this is a show that I think really shouldn't be spoiled. Um, but if you haven't heard of this show or if you have heard of it and you're kind of on the fence about it, definitely give it a watch. Stick past the first th- three episodes of season one, uh, because that does a lot of setting up. And I think the show really, really hits a stride on episode five of season one. And then after that, I, I legitimately think that each episode gets better and better. I think the season finale of season two is honestly one of my favorite finales ever in a show um and i don't think i could wait a whole year for <laughs> for season three this this shit is is insane honestly uh so if you're on the fence about it if you haven't heard of it and this kind of sounds interesting to you please go watch it i legit i think by mid season three i think this will become hbo's like like flagship show I don't see it going past like a season five just because of the nature of the show and what goes on in it. Uh, but I could definitely see HBO writing this baby to a couple of, of Emmy wins, like big time Emmy wins. Yeah, I definitely need to check this show out because, I mean, I remember when you compared it to, uh, or you just compared it right now to um, the like if they focus on the Lannisters in Game of Thrones. So like that just sounds exciting by itself. You know what I mean? Because um, I, I, I think the Lannister uh, family was one of the most interesting parts of Game of Thrones entire run. Oh so, yeah, they're my favorite they're my favorite house in yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, so <clears throat> having something similar like that, obviously it's more modern. Um Wait. But what's Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, what is Game of Thrones? I've never heard of that. <clears throat> oh, the books, the books. We're talking about the books, remember? Oh yeah, the Song of Ice and Fire books. They yeah. should make a TV show one day. Yeah, that'd be fire. That'd be fire. Um 
But yeah, uh, I'm actually excited about this. I definitely need to watch this. Um, so yeah, Succession sounds like a really, really, really dope movie or show. I mean, um, but speaking <laughs> of movies, let's get into uh, before we review our Jojo Rabbit and Last Christmas uh, reviews. Let's get into our top five World War Two movies. Before we review our Jojo Rabbit and Last Christmas, <laughs> I was reviews. hoping you didn't hear me say that. As it came out, I was like, shit. You're a modern Shakespeare, bro. <clears throat> I, I honestly am. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I just got word that The Mandalorian will be coming out at 3 a.m. At 3 a.m.? Oh, yeah. Dave just texted me. Yeah, yeah. John Favreau texted me. That's actually the funny part. I, I, I was texting him about getting on the podcast like as you were talking. So. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. Those, those are good moves. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we can get him on. You know, John, if you listen to this, I know you're a big fan. Um, you know, we love you. We'd love you to review our reviews. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love you to review our reviews. Um, okay, so we're going to get into our top five World War II movies uh, in honor of Jojo Rabbit and, you know, that theme. So I'll let Steven do his list first, and I'll do mine, and we'll dig into it. So, Steven, what is your top five? Okay, so I'm going to start uh, with my honorable mention, how I always do. Uh, <laughs> my honorable mention, What? I'm just kidding. What the fuck? <laughs> Your honorable um, mention's good, but it's just not exciting like mine. Okay. Um. I mean, you always have that one stupid movie on your list. So, um, my honorable mention for this week is Jojo Rabbit. I I don't want to talk about it too much because we're literally gonna give a review on it. But I really love this film enough to obviously have it somewhere on my list. <laughs> I don't want to get into it too much. Um, it, uh, I debated putting it in my top five, but I just uh, can't. I just can't replace Casablanca, which is my current number five, one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion, one of the all-time classics. Um, incredibly quotable. Uh, if you're into, you know, the history of film, uh, I think this is one of those like one of those must-watch films up there with. You know, Citizen Kane, uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, definitely those movies of those times, you know, Double Indemnity, all, all those. Casablanca? Yeah, Casablanca. Yeah, uh, that's a classic. I feel like I feel yeah. like a lot of... Uh, I, I've known a lot of Hispanic, you know, older men and women that, like, really, really, really adore this movie. Like, they love this movie. Like, it's actually insane. I don't know if you get that vibe from it. I mean, kind of, yeah. Like a lot of older people in my family and and, and other like family friends, like they're just like in love with this movie. And I'm like, why do you like? Don't get me wrong; it's a great movie. But I'm like, why do you guys love this? Like, it's, it has such a following. <laughs> I mean, it's a great film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you watch it. Uh, just because you'll probably pick up on some of the, uh, you know, on some of like the classic sayings that have you know come from this film. Uh, like um, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, uh, and whatnot. Um, I think the music is great. I think the acting is all great. Um, I think you know it has, it has a a pretty good message. Humphrey Bogart uh, and Ingrid Bergman are iconic, in my opinion. Just you know one of the greatest films of all time. If I didn't feel so strongly about all the films in front of it, technically I guess it should be my number one. Um, but. I just feel so strongly about everything else in front of it. Uh, and I'm going to cheat a little bit with my number four because it's technically not a film. 
but I'm going to put it in here anyways because it's a limited series um, and it's on Letterboxd. So I think it's on Letterboxd. <clears throat> so if it's on Letterboxd... Yeah, if, if it's a mini series, it's on Letterboxd. So. Okay, if it's on Letterboxd, then I'm putting it on my list. <coughs> uh, my number four is Band of Brothers, the uh, HBO miniseries uh, created by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, actually. Um, this is a television show revolving around... Um, Easy Company, which is like um like a a unit on the Western Front of World War Two, and each episode kind of focuses like on a different perspective. So you have one episode, um, which focuses on the perspective of the medics, which in my opinion is is the best episode, or at least my favorite episode. Um, and as you watch the show, you'll probably recognize <laughs> a lot of famous actors who have like cameos in this. Um, I know. Uh, Dexter Fletcher is in this. Um, David Schwimmer is in this from Friends. <laughs> um, fucking Jimmy Fallon is in this. Jimmy what? Fallon's in it. For, yeah, Jimmy Fallon has a cameo in this. Michael Fassbender, uh, I believe Tom Hardy, um, Moriarty from Sherlock. What's his name? Andrew uh, Andrew Scott is in it. Um, so a lot of famous faces, but I think this does a a really great job of you know, kind of capturing the uh, horror, like kind of the horrifics of war and especially World War II, kind of in the same way that Saving Private Ryan does. Because in a way, this is the extension of Saving Private Ryan. It was created by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, and they did have a uh, a lot of say, you know, going into this. Um, so if you like Saving Private Ryan, you will 100% like Band of Brothers because they're literally almost the same thing. Uh, it's just one is a feature-length film, and the other one is a, is a TV show revolving around, you know, a larger group of people. Um, my number three, which I really, really, really wanted to put as my number one, uh, but I just, I couldn't because, wow, it is, a, in my opinion, one of the greatest films of all time. And I, I have to see it. I never, I never saw it, so I, I really need to get on that. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's the greatest documentary of all time um and in my opinion one of the most important films ever made um is uh Shoah which is my number three Shoah is a 1985 uh, French documentary film about the holocaust directed by Claude Landsman didn't you watch this for one of your film classes yes I watched I watched this for a film class I'm taking this semester this film is nine hours long oh my god Okay, so our for our class, we had to only watch like a two and a half hour segment of it. Uh, I watched the whole nine hours, not all in one sitting, because I think this film is impossible to watch in one sitting due to uh, the subject matter um, and how just real it is. So this documentary presents, you know, the Holocaust um, from like the Jewish perspective. Uh, I recognize that, you know the majority of people affected by, by the Holocaust were Jews. However, it wasn't just Jewish people. Um, but this film focuses only on, you know, the Jewish and um, those, you know, surrounding the concentration camps and those who were inside of it. Uh, Claude Landsman interviews survivors, witnesses, and bystanders, you know, around Poland and around these um, concentration camps and extermination camps. And he interviews them all in 
incredible depth and detail um, asking the most minute questions in order to draw or in order to he's kind of like an artist on a canvas and he's asking these minute questions to help paint like this bigger picture of of these horrifying events um and one thing that i love about this film or one interesting thing i think that sets this film apart is that this film at nine hours long does not have one second of archival footage Really? So yes, there are. There's no footage of concentration camps, or or like you know of you know, pe- like you know people inside the concentration camps. This film is all interviews. It's the director and a and a translator, you know, asking, you know, these people involved in 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 this in whatever capacity, these questions, and f- you know, typically he interviews these people at the sites, you know, that this happened. So. I know some of them are like where there were camps once stood that they've been, you know, destroyed or taken down. He does visit visit some concentration camps, but it's not archival footage, you know, of like you know the camps from the 1940s or the late 1930s to 1945. Um, he portrays the Holocaust in you know through words, through dialogue, and through you know the facial expressions you know of the people that he is interviewing you know obviously um it's a very heavy subject for for the jewish survivors or those who have been impacted you know firsthand whether they had families or they themselves were in this um so because of that it leads it is a very 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 hard watch and it really makes you take a step back and you know just think about this whole whole ordeal and this you know period in human history and i don't think personally i've seen a lot of holocaust films especially with this course that i'm taking and in my opinion i think this is the most impactful even if you watch just a two and a half hour segment of this film i think it is the most impactful holocaust film ever made and because of that i have to include it in a world war ii in a world war ii list like if this was a holocaust film list this would easily be my number one that's actually insane. Yeah. Especially yeah, when you said it was nine hours, bro. Yeah, it is nine. It took 11 years to make. Jeez. Yeah, it is fucking... It is... It, it's an incredible, incredible... This is like something I'm going to have to like watch like <laughs> like one hour a day. Yeah, it it is an incredible piece of, of film, but it definitely is very, very, very difficult to watch. But I think it's something that... Personally, I think it's required viewing. I think everyone should at least watch a piece of it just once, um, just because it's so it's such an impactful film. Um, I don't want to talk about Shoah too much because we still have a, a, a lot to talk about, and I could talk about this all fucking day. Yeah. Uh, so that's my number three. And my number two, I have Saving Private Ryan, uh, one of my favorite films. Um, for many of the same reasons, Band of Brothers is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, I just think it's one of the best gritty and more realistic looks uh, into, you know, the horrors of war. And then at number one, I have Inglourious Bastards, where if you listen to our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, you would have seen this coming. Yeah, so yeah, you're, you're that's my top five. That movie. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. Um, so that, that's my top five and honorable mention. John, let's hear yours. So... My top five, I've actually been like editing it throughout the episode. 
Um, I can't really come up with like a clear top five of what I want, but I'm going to just go with what I have right now. So we'll start off with my honorable mention, which you, as you all know, is always a little wacky. Um, I'm going to go with Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so many great World War II films, and you put the first Captain America as your honorable mention. I love Captain America, and I love World War II. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually, um, like all jokes aside, this is actually one of my favorite comic book, um, like solo stories. Um, believe it or not, because I know this movie has a lot of not hate, but just people don't really like this movie that much. And um, I, I really, really, really love this movie. So I actually wanted to include it on my list because I it's just it's 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 a good movie, man. I like I like it. It deserves more praise. Um, so that's my honorable mention. Obviously, my number five is actually Jojo Rabbit, which I'm not gonna get into because we're gonna review it in a little bit. Um, but I love it. Taika Waititi is amazing. My number four is actually which I I forgot about this movie until just like five minutes ago. Um, was the boy in the striped pajamas? Um, it's more about it's more about like concentration camps and all that stuff. And I I, I don't know why Steven just sighed. I don't like this movie. You don't like it? Why do you, Why don't you like it? Um, I think it's a little emotionally manipulative. In what way, though? Um, in the sense that I think this film obviously it's an impactful movie. Um. And it does a good job at, you know, doing what it sets out to do. But I think this film, it's kind of hard to explain. I think this film, like, literally just goes out of its way. Like, like just the subject matter at hand, or not the subject matter, but, like, the story that it's trying to tell. The setting, um, maybe? Not the setting, because obviously Holocaust films are Holocaust films. Yeah. Um, but I think it's unrealism. It's like it's a very unrealistic movie. I think its unrealism kind of leads to that. Too. Are you saying like some of the things that happen in this movie just wouldn't happen? Yeah, it's like a super unrealistic movie. Like in no way would a would a Jewish or not a Jewish a German family like live right next door to a concentration camp. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I agree with there, that. Would, there would no way be a house there. Um, but I think there's a lot of like little emotionally manipulative beats. Like obviously that. In a, in a kind of film like this, you could argue that all films are emotionally manipulative, but I think that this movie like literally just sets out to make viewers cry, and you know because of that they they take it as like an impactful film. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, just personally. I personally, I, I actually see what you're coming where you're going with this. Like, I, I mean, I somewhat agree, but at the end of the day, I still think like it's just it, it is super impactful. I think the setting it being. A, I mean, it's obviously it's a it's a fictional story that takes place within the, you know, World War Two and and the Holocaust, um. But the, it's just like it, it just show. It, I think it's a movie that that I really can appreciate because it it shows you how fucked up everything was when it came to like concentration camps and and the holocaust you, you know what i'm saying like it, i think it, no, it's, yeah, it's a good course. it's a good representation of how fucked up that was how people were like slaughtered for you know being jewish and and you know the, the list goes on but i i, I that I, I see where you're going with this but 
I'm looking at it more as like the impact that it left me, and oh, yeah, I, which course. I know is what you're you're trying to get at. Um, so that's why it's in my top five. Um, and I also think the acting is pretty good in this movie too. Um, like Asia Butterfield <coughs> is really, really, really good in this movie. And I, what's funny too is like a lot of people don't know, but he was actually up for the part um, for uh, Peter Parker in the MCU. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was actually like apparently like th- like word is is that he was actually the one like chosen for Peter Parker. Like they all did screen tests, like Tom Holland included, and they were gonna go with Butterfield because he's actually a really good actor. If if you've seen him and stuff, like the kid can act. And um, he was so he was the one chosen, and then he went online and posted about it, and then something Take like that. One. Yeah, that was like legit the number one thing that you don't do with Marvel or they're just Disney, like you know, when it comes to like high profile movies and and like Star Wars and and Marvel stuff, is he went and posted about it and was telling people, yeah, I'm I'm going to be Peter Parker, like I'm super excited for it, whatever. Literally like a day later, he's like he posts again, he's like, oh, I lost the part. So Marvel for sure saw that <laughs> was like, yeah, that. no, you're out, you're <laughs> out. And they brought Tom Holland in, which is fine with me. I think Tom Holland plays a better Peter Parker than Asia Butterfield would, but I'd give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a really good actor. Um, but he does really, he does really, really good in this movie. He, this movie came out in what? 2000. Does well. Superman does good. Oh my God. <laughs> this movie came out in 2008. Butterfield was born in 97. So he was like 10 years old when they filmed it. So a 10 year old actor, you know, acting this well in this movie. Yeah. Like the way I put well in there. Um, proud of you. You're learning, and and the, the little kid too that he's that's in the movie. I forgot his name. Um, the one that was in the Holocaust, like the little Jewish boy. I uh I forgot his name, but he he does awesome too. Movie's just I I I think is really good. Um, it's a, it, I I see where Steven's going with this. If it, it, it's a movie that they really they were really trying to like get you to. It feels like know. a little like like exploitative, like in a way. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. Um. But I, th- I think I still think that it's, it's like a movie that if you really want to, you know, learn a little more about the Holocaust and a little more about World War Two, this might be a good movie to kind of like it, it gives you like a different viewpoint on on the Holocaust and in concentration camps. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think they do a good job with that at, with that aspect of it. Um, but with that being said, my number three is actually Dunkirk by uh, Christopher Nolan. Um, I love this movie. I went and saw it in um an IMAX theater with the 70 uh millimeter you know projector screen and blah 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 and you know all the super duper crazy speakers and all that um so I literally felt like I was in a war when I was watching this film I'm not even kidding bro like you can ask like like everybody that I went with to see this movie mm-hmm. like the first like five minutes of the movie like like when the, the first gunshot that you hear like literally had everybody in the, in the theater jump because of how yeah, loud it, it was jump. And how realistic it sounded. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, you legit were like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, like, after that, you know, you're, you're in a war movie. So, you just hear gunshots, like, nonstop. But um, that first gunshot, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, it just terrifies you. Um, so, I actually, like, really love that about seeing that movie in theaters. That was, like, that was a movie that, like, there's a lot of movies that come out that I'm like, bro, like, this is a movie that you just need to watch in a theater. You can't watch it at home, like, on a TV. Like, you need to watch this in a theater. That's, that's one of them. I agree. Um, 
My number two is Saving Private Ryan for... I'm not going to go into it because Steven pretty much did, said everything that I wanted to say. It's one of the best, you know, World War II movies ever. Really, really, really good. Really impactful. Uh, my number one is actually Schindler's, Schindler's List. Um, I actually watched. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched this movie um in high school. I forgot what class I had to watch it in. Um, but yeah, man, that movie is phenomenal. Um, I really just I, there's really not much to get into other than it's it's just one of the best movies of all time in my opinion. Um, the I I feel like honestly like the our I think both of our top three. Or top four, even like, or movies that like I feel like everybody should go watch. Uh, yeah, I agree. I could agree with that. I mean, I haven't seen uh, Shoah, but I actually want to get into that now. But you know what I mean? Like, these are like movies I feel like everybody should go watch so they can like. I mean, they're movies. At the end of the day, it's it's not you know legit. Uh, it's not like the most accurate depiction of World War Two, but it's close enough, and it helps people understand world war ii and 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 the holocaust and all that stuff so i i'm actually like i really like i'm looking at our lists right now and i think they're actually really good lists other than like my honorable mention (laughs) yeah i I like this list yeah i think both of our lists are actually really good so um that's my top five obviously with my captain america is my honorable mention um that's pretty much it i mean i think now we should dive into a little bit of uh jojo rabbit which is a film that steven and i were both super excited about for like months and uh what's annoying about Jojo Rabbit is that this is a movie that had like a limited release, I guess you could say. This is a movie. <clears throat> this is a movie, period. End the podcast. Um I gotta see you next week. <laughs> it's a movie though, like that that had a limited release. So we uh I mean I'm not gonna give away where we live or anything like that, but where we live, we have we an live AMC, on the moon. We have an AMC near us that only shows big 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 premieres like avengers and spider-man and batman you get what i'm saying it only has like nine screens so yeah there's only so much they can show so we had to like i had to go out of my way to a to a big ass mall that we have in miami i'm not gonna give any specifics um to go watch this movie because there it was it's only showing there and i even what's funny too is last week i was driving up to orlando and uh, I was literally thinking, like, maybe on my drive up or in Orlando, I can find a theater that's near the highway or, you know, just, you know, near me in Orlando that's showing this movie. And I could just go watch it then. Bro, no theaters were showing it. I was like, dude, are you serious? Literally, the one that we both went to was, like, the only theater, like, nearby showing it. So yeah. it's actually insane how, like, this movie isn't, like, not being shown anywhere, which I think it should be shown everywhere because it's fucking phenomenal. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to get into it just for a little bit. Um, no spoilers. I think the movie is really, really, really well done. Taika Waititi is... It's funny because I was just telling uh, Steven how Taika Waititi, if you don't know, he plays Hitler in this movie. He's like... He's Jojo. Jojo's the main character. He Jojo like pretty much has like... <laughs> it's like an imaginary friend kind of thing. Like He just visualizes and imagines that Hitler's there with him like and all these like different points of his uh you know his his young life and um and Taika Waititi portrays Hitler and the funny thing too is like I was just reading about I, I told Stephen before the podcast it was uh we started recording was um a lot of people were giving shit to Taika Waititi because 
in this movie, he's uh, Hitler smoked a lot of cigarettes, and people were like giving him shit, like, "Oh, well, Hitler didn't like cigarettes. He he hated smoking." Blah 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 blah. And Taika Waititi just responds and is like, "I hope you guys know that I did absolutely zero research in preparation for my role as Hitler because he does not deserve any type of decency for an accurate, accurate description." So I thought that was actually like hilarious of Taika Waititi to say. Um, but yeah, I think. The movie's really well done. Like, the, I, I mean, I think Steven can agree. The kid that plays JoJo, bro, it was actually awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. He was really good. I think Scarlett Johansson was really good in this movie. Like, really fucking good. Um, uh, the young girl um, that I'm not going to get too much into. Like, I think she does really good. This movie's just really well done, bro. Like, the, like it surprises you, man. Because, like, I feel like when you're watching, like, the first, like, couple, like, you know, the first, like, 20 minutes, maybe. Um it's kind of like a comedy, you know what I mean? Like when the movie, it has a lot of funny elements to it, but it, it starts to like get more serious as it, as the movie, you know, uh, goes on. And I can really appreciate that. Um, I actually want to bring up too, was like, so it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit when I went to go see this film. Um, did you watch the previews before the movie started, Steven? Um, a f- couple of them. So, I forget what the movie's called, but there's a movie coming out that's like about World War II, about the Holocaust. Um, and, oh, and uh, a hidden life, a hidden life. Yes, yes, Terrence they Malley. showed that. They showed that, like literally, that preview was like the the last preview before Jojo Rabbit came on. So yeah, that, and I'm like, mine too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm watching this trailer, and I'm like, I'm like, bro, this movie looks awesome. And but like it, it's like getting me emotional because it's like it's a it's a really impactful trailer. Like they actually did a really good job of editing this trailer. And um, so I'm watching this trailer and I'm like getting super hyped up and, and, and like excited for this film that I know I'm, I'm like, I'm probably gonna walk out of this movie crying. And um, so it's, it's a very serious tone, that trailer. And then we just dive into Jojo Rabbit. That's like, like the first like 30 minutes or 20 minutes is like just kind of crazy and, and, and funny and just satire, which you have to like turn that part off in your brain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, wait, now we're, we're going into a more comedic approach to this. You know what I'm saying? So that was a little weird. Like it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, they could have easily just avoided this by not putting this trailer in front of Jojo rabbit or like put it in the beginning of the trailers, but whatever. It still didn't, you know, my, my, my view on Jojo rabbit is still the same. I, I still think it's like, it's probably the best movie of the year. Or the second best movie of the year. I, I, I would say the lighthouse might be the best movie of the year. But Jojo Rabbit, if not number one, is for sure number two, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's really well done. I, I love this movie a lot. Okay. Um, so, Jojo Rabbit. Okay, for those of you who don't know what uh, Jojo Rabbit is or what it's about, I'm going to read a quick little summary for you guys. In the 1940s, a lonely German boy's worldview is turned upside down when he discovers his single mother is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic. Aided only by his idiotic imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind national, um, nationalism. Um, so going into this movie, uh, this was probably like my most, the movie I was most excited for, you know, for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, after Avengers Endgame came out and The Lighthouse came out. Uh, this was the film I was looking forward to the most. So once it came out of TIFF, and when it came out of TIFF, it had like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and I was super nervous um, just because I really wanted this film 
and especially Taika Waititi, who's one of my top five favorite working directors. Um, it was I don't know if it was TIFF or Toronto. I think it was TIFF. Now that I think about it, um, basically people were saying that you know the humor was a little out of place, or that like you know film tackling this uh, subject matter shouldn't be you know funny. Um, I disagree. I think all you need to say is look at Life is Beautiful by Roberto Bengini and that's your counter argument. Um, I think that this film does a great job of balancing, you know, it's humor and it's like when to embrace its seriousness and when to be like when to hit its emotional beats, you know, without humor, um, which from reading the reviews, I thought that it was like, Hey, you know, there are no emotional beats to this film. Um, which I thought was kind of odd. Yeah, I seeing I as how Taika Waititi is Jewish. I walked into this movie thinking I was like going to be like hilarious. And like it, it, it is a very funny movie. It is a very funny movie, but I'd say it's also just as serious as it is funny. Like I think the serious scenes are much more you know emotionally devastating than the funny scenes are funny. Yes, a hundred percent. Um, I I wanted to talk about it like as spoiler free as possible. Um, I think. The main performances in this film, uh, Roman Griffin Davis as Jojo, uh, Thomas and McKenzie as Elsa, which is the Jewish girl, um, Sam Rockwell as uh, Captain Klesendorf, and Scarlett Johansson as Rosie, uh, who is Jojo's mom. I think those four core performances are all fantastic, specifically uh, Jojo, I think for a child his age who... That's like uh, his first time acting, I think, too. Yeah, I don't remember seeing him in another film. So for a first-time actor to be, you know, so convincing and so funny while also speaking in a German accent in his first role, um, I, I think he stole the show. I think Scarlett Johansson was, eh, I don't want to say great. She wasn't. She was good. Um, I think she she delivered a much better performance than I expected. I heard that like some people saying, you know. Uh, you know, give her an Oscar. There's a lot of Oscar buzz, you know, around Scarlett Johansson. I think all the Oscar eh. buzz will be uh, will be for Marriage Story, which comes out later in the year. Um, I think Sam Rockwell is amazing in everything that he does. Sam I don't Rockwell think he, is so good in this. Yeah, I don't think he has like a bad performance. Like, ever. I love, I love like his, um, you know, like the last uh, scene in the movie that we see him in. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's that, that's like one of my favorite scenes that he's like ever done. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, he's awesome. Alfie Allen is in this movie. If you guys don't know Alfie Allen, he's uh, Theon from Game of Thrones. I was pretty surprised that he was. I was pleasantly surprised, just because Theon is my favorite Game of Thrones character. So when I saw him, um, I was pretty surprised. There's also a lot of things that I picked up with his character, which we'll talk about later. Um, Stephen Merchant is in this film as uh, one of the captains for the. Um, Fuck, what's it called? Is it the it's not the Gestapo? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, but he's uh he's uh one of the more antagonizing characters in this film. Um I just think this film does a great job of balancing, you know, its whimsicality and you know, its lighter side and, and you know, when to sit down and, you know, tackle, you know, the issues that it's addressing. I think the film has a wonderful message, uh, you know, love, overpowering, hatred and you know, love always winning in the end. Um, and I thought the the fuck the word is escaping me right now. Um, 
I thought the interactions between Jojo and Elsa were amazing. I thought they were funny and heartwarming at the same time. Oh, you know, Jojo's uh, nationalism kind of, you know, blinding him from, you know, who he really is. Um, I think it's an awesome story of self-identity. You know, obviously Jojo's a 10-year-old boy, but he's caught between, you know, doing what all his friends are doing and, you know, sticking up for his country, even though he knows deep down somewhere inside of him that, you know, it may not be the right thing. And at the end of the day, you know, his heart, uh, you know, won over his brain, eh, like to put it in the most blunt yeah. of terms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It was kind of like inappropriately funny sometimes, uh, especially like towards the end of the movie. Uh, but I don't think it was ever anything like egregious. Like it wasn't like, hey, damn, they should really stop with the jokes here. I, I don't think yeah. it ever really got into that territory. I, I agree. I think the jokes were were enough. You know what I mean? Like it, they were they were never too far. Like <clears throat> the one like jokes that I thought were, were hilarious was the like every single time you know people walk into a room the how Hitler how Hitler yeah Heil that, Hitler. that yeah like, that shit was hilarious <laughs> that was killing me. But um yeah the, the jokes like I don't think ever went too far in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think it has like a wonderful use of the f bomb. <laughs> um, and I'm just gonna say one uh one thing about we haven't spoken about Taika Waititi uh playing uh, Adolf Hitler as JoJo's like imaginary friend. Um, I think Taika as Adolf, I think there's a lot of layers to his portrayal of Adolf. Um, in the sense of like story progression and the progression of the narrative and and JoJo's like world view in general. Um, I think Taika did a good job of portraying Hitler as kind of, I don't want to say this buffoon, but as this like caricature, um, and kind of undermining or not undermining, um, but as portraying Hitler in a way that I know would piss Hitler off. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't, I guess we could talk about like quick spoilers uh just because i want i want to talk about taika's portrayal um as hitler like throughout the film like in like a spoiler section because i think to me that's one of my favorite things about the film um so spoilers for jojo rabbit starting right now um i think obviously you see hitler interacting with jojo as kind of you know egging him on being you know that friend he could lean on giving him advice but then as Jojo grows throughout the film and as his worldview starts to change and how he starts to think, hey, you know, maybe, you know, the Nazis are the bad guys, Hitler becomes much more, um, I don't want to say like, definitely not assertive, but he becomes much more, um, you know, he starts screaming more, he starts becoming more disillusioned. He starts treating Jojo, you know, as if he was beneath him. Um, as opposed to, you know, how he was. Like, he became more of, like, a megalomaniac as the season came on, rather than being, like, you know, the goofy friend that Jojo, you know, can come to uh, when he's having troubles and stuff. Um, and I, I thought how that was handled, I thought it, it, it was perfect. I thought it was it was amazing. As Jojo becomes, you know... He like the illusion that Jojo had with the Nazis, you know, started to wear off. It started to wear off, like you know, with the Hitler in his head. 
And also, like after Hitler, like um, what's his friend's name? Yorkie. After uh, Yorkie <laughs> tells Jojo that Hitler shot himself, when Hitler starts appearing, he has like the bullet hole in his head. Yeah, I don't I know love if you that. noticed that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I also love the way that uh, shoes were used as a, a framing device in the film. Obviously, setting up Jojo's mom's death, which completely took me by surprise. I was not expecting that in this film. But well, also, what I love about that scene too is like <clears throat> he's he was chasing a butterfly, correct? Yeah, yeah, he was chasing. Because well, the movie's like the movie talks about you know like the mom talks about having butterflies in the stomach when it comes to love, you know, yada yada. And uh, you see him chasing a butterfly and like this, you know, more positive and upbeat kind of scene, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he runs into because the the film I think twice before showed the hanging bodies in the middle of the street, and um, so I guess he he's around that area. He runs into one of the bodies and he recognizes the shoes. And the first thing you notice, is, like when you see the shoes, is like oh shit, like that's that's his mom, you know. Yeah. And I love I just love how like the scene just dra- like the the motion of it just drastically just like stops, you know what I'm saying? Like it just it's more upbeat and it boom just stabs you in the heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um I actually watched this movie with Brianna and she started crying like crazy when that scene happened. Mm-hmm. So, I can really appreciate that. I I, I as, as fucked up as it sounds, I love that scene. Um, I also love how they used Jojo, uh, tying his shoes, like learning to tie his shoes, uh, kind of like as a metaphor with, uh, his like worldview, whereas like, you know, he doesn't really know how to tie his shoes in the beginning of the film. And he's so like, you know, he's a blind fanatic, you know, he's yeah. super in line with the Nazi party and Hitler, you know, go, 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 all that shit. And then by the end of the movie, as he starts learning to tie his shoes little by little, um, he starts to shed some of that fanaticism until the end of the film um, during that scene where, you know, he finally does tie his shoes and he kind of loses. He he kind of knows like where he stands now. Like he knows, you know, what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. Um, I love this film. I f- would probably, I could comfortably say it's my second favorite film of the year. Um, I still think the lighthouse is slightly better. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable with Jojo being my number two. Um, and I honestly, I can't wait to revisit this movie. I can't wait to to go back and watch it. I haven't had a chance to watch it again, but I am really excited to go back to it. Um, One thing I kind of want to bring up, too, is like, I mean, obviously, for you guys listening, you know that I'm a huge like superhero fanatic. Um, So Taika Waititi directed Thor Ragnarok, which is arguably like I would say like top five Marvel movie. Um. Obviously, he does this movie, and 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 he's doing Thor four, Thor Love and Thunder, Thunder, and I'm I'm super excited for Thor Love and Thunder because he did Thor Ragnarok, and I know I know this guy can direct, I know he I know he's a great storyteller, but I, there's something about me watching Jojo Rabbit that I'm like I'm actually like really like I, I'm way more excited now like for Thor Love and Thunder than I was before, and I was already like extremely excited. Is this the first Taika Waititi movie you've seen that's not Thor? I never saw the uh the, the one that he did before Thor. Um, it's Hunt for the Wilder People. There's yeah, Boy. Yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People. What we do in the that. shadows. All those movies are all those movies are great. Are, like great movies. You should watch all of those movies. Yeah, the the Hunt for the uh for the Wilder, for the Wilder People. people I, I I've heard that movie is phenomenal. All all his movies are are great. That's, that movie's with the kid from Deadpool too, right? 
Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, I'm a. I, I definitely need to check that out. But <clears throat> Jojo Rabbit is, is is so different than when Thor Ragnarok. Like, I mean, they're similar in like the the, the like comedy the style of comedy. Yeah, yeah, they're very similar in that way. But when it comes to just like you know, one movie's like a super super action movie. The other one's uh, a serious yet comedic view on 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 World War Two, and and it's just I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just the guys is really good. Yeah. So I'm really excited for Thor: Love and Thunder after that, and I was already really excited before. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I like like you said, man. I love Jojo Rabbit. I, I definitely think it's the one or two best movie of the year. Um, it's like I definitely want to rewatch it because it's like it's one of the best movies that I've seen in a long time, or like it's up there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in the past few years, it's like one of the like really. It's just really good. Um, so I, I'm excited to. I'm actually excited for Taika Waititi's career. I mean, I know I, you just said how he has Thor coming up, but I'm he has a lot this. of projects coming up. Yeah, and obviously he's directing an episode of The Mandalorian that we talked about earlier. So yeah, he's that's, directing. That cool. He's he's in it. Uh, but he does have a lot of. He just signed on to direct a new film, uh, before Thor: Love and Thunder. So he he's definitely the kind of director who finishes one project and then immediately goes. Yeah, he's always working. One. He's always working. Yeah. I can respect that. I kn- I still wish that we got to see his uh, version of Moana. Um, unfort- unfortunately, uh, like that'll never happen. Uh, his obviously. version of what? Moana. He was supposed to direct Moana. Really? Yeah. Um, he was supposed to direct that film. Uh, however, things fell through. I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, but in the director's commentary for Thor Ragnarok, um, he brings that up a couple of times. Awesome. Oh, his Not. next film. His next film is Next Goal Wins, um, which is about a Doug, uh, Doug, a Dutch football coach uh, tasked with turning the American Samoa national team into an elite squad. Michael Fassbender and Elizabeth Moss are both in it. All right, cool. So, and it's filming right now. I see. All right. Yeah. So, so that he's should definitely, be coming out soon. Yeah. So he definitely likes to work. He, to work. Yeah, he's definitely a workaholic. But I mean, if he keeps producing. You know, great films. I mean, I, I, I'm all for it. Damn, I'm um, actually excited to see him work with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think Michael Fassbender is in desperate need of a career comeback because man, yeah. he just loves being in shitty movies. Yeah, he, he's like such a great. Like, he might be like one of the best actors in shit movies. He, he's one of the best actors in Hollywood, period, in my opinion. But yeah, he really needs a, either a better agent or he needs to fucking pick his scripts better or some shit. But I, I, I'm rooting for him. But man, he. He needs to wisen up with his film choices. Um, yeah, I mean, he did X Men First Class, which I thought was amazing, but or after Days of Future Past, that shit just went downhill. I mean, yeah, um, but he was most likely like tied in like contract negotiations and all that shit, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, we've been going on a little too long. Let's uh, let's talk about Last Christmas. Yeah. Um. So I saw Last Christmas the night that it came out. Um. <clears throat> I I think we've said it on here before. Like Steve and I were both super excited about this movie. Um. I okay, so I walked into it with high expectations, and really? I walked into it with like pretty low expectations. Well, I, like, I, I didn't know. think for, I didn't think it'd be good. Like I wasn't expecting for it to be good, but I was still like kind of excited for it. Yeah, I I don't know why. I like not high expectations. Like I'm not sitting here thinking like this movie's about to be like the next you know like best Christmas movie of all time. But I was just like I walked into it with high expectations because the trailers had me a little excited for it. And um, I had heard good things about like like some reviewers saying it was a good movie, um, 
And then I saw after the Rotten Tomato score was at like forty something percent, or like forty nine or fifty percent. Um, which you know it's not good. It's at forty nine percent right now. Yeah, that's not good, but it's not awful. Um, yeah, it's definitely the film is definitely better than the forty nine percent deems it so. Yes, I agree with that. Like it should but, at least be in like the sixties. Yeah. So I watched this movie with high expectations, and I walked out with you know it didn't it didn't you know hit the mark but for me but i still really enjoyed it and i thought amelia clark was actually really good in this and um i I really enjoyed it for the most part (laughs) um i'm trying to think man like amelia clark i i haven't seen her in much other than game of thrones and 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 solo but i actually like really enjoyed her performance in this and obviously like i'm not gonna get into spoilers yet um but there's certain parts in the movie that that kind of you know hit you, and I feel like I I I mean I don't know about you, but I kind of saw it coming from like a mile away. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. we'll, we'll, the twist at the end was super obvious. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'll we'll talk about it more in a little bit when we get into spoilers. But um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I actually think that um, what's his name, um, Henry, what's his name, Henry Golden. Yeah, I think he does a really good job too. Um, so for the most part, okay, I think this movie is like a movie that if you have nothing to do and you want to go watch a solid Christmas movie, go and do it. This this is that movie to go watch. Yeah, but if you're if, like an AMC A-list member or something, just go watch it. It's not going to cost you anything. Just watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. Like, bro, we need to make sure that everyone is is has their plans cleared on Friday. We need to go watch Last Christmas. Like, no, it's not that movie. It's not like a, it's not anything crazy, but... You know, it's a good movie, like, for date night or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, But with that being said, I, I think I rated the movie, like, a 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So, I, I'd probably stick with that score, which is, is solid. I, I give a lot of solid movies a 3 out of 5. Um, So, I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. So, um, I like this film. Uh, It's nothing groundbreaking. Obviously, it's... a typical you know feel good christmas movie it doesn't try to be anything more so i can't knock it for that um so i i would rate it like appropriately for like what it sets out to do i think i gave it like a a three out of five as well um i think the real strength for these two films are the two leads amelia clark and henry golding i think both of them are just super charismatic Uh, i think amelia clark is better in this film than she is uh, in films like Terminator Genesis, which I forgot she was in until right now. I forgot she was in that. Um, but she does a great job of being, you know, this charismatic, uh, kind of down on her luck girl. And she doesn't pick the best films. Like most of her, literally almost all of her films, except for Solo, um, has a, a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but I think she has the talent to be, you know, a solid lead, um, as long as she continues to pick her roles well. Um, I'm a big fan of Henry Golding. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is also in this film. She plays, um, Santa, the shop owner, uh, who Amelia Clark's, uh, character works for. I think Michelle Yeoh, as usual, delivers a good performance. Um, Emma Thompson as Amelia Clark's mom is also fantastic in this film she's also uh one of the writers for this movie she wrote the screenplay and the story um 
it was it's a cute movie. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's not gonna fucking shatter your brain, even though you know the twist at the end tries to. You could kind of see it coming from a mile away. Um, I like I love the music throughout the film. I thought some of the placement for some of the musical numbers were kind of like off-putting and i do think that they played last christmas one too many times um but i love the song so i'm not gonna hold it against it plus the song is also pretty important to the movie yes <laughs> uh, not pretty it's very important to the movie super yes. on the nose i feel like like paul feig like listened to that song and like read the story and he like he had like an epiphany moment and then everyone was just kind of like uh okay <laughs> like super obvious symbolism um but you know i enjoyed it i i enjoyed my time with this movie if it's like if it's like christmas like around christmas time and i'm like flipping through channels and this movie comes on i'll probably leave it on and watch it yeah 100 percent. um it's it's a solid movie it's not like anything groundbreaking like you said it's it's really good um going into a little bit of some spoilers now so spoilers for last christmas if you guys haven't seen it, if you don't care, keep listening. Um, so the twist in this movie is that Henry Golding's character, um, I forgot his name in this movie already. Um, he's uh, Tom, I think. Yeah, it's Tom. Tom. It's Tom. Tom. Yeah. So Tom's character isn't actually there. He's uh, how would you say? Like he's kind of like. I'd say like, he's like a like a spirit guide. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of like guiding Amelia Clark, you know, towards fixing her life up and shit. Exactly. And you find out that that cuz the movie talks about how she was very ill when she was younger or she was very ill and they never really get into detail about it until there's a moment with her and Tom um when she reveals to him that she had heart surgery or, or heart transplant. Yeah, and heart transplant. um and she shows him the scar <clears throat> and you find out at the end of the movie that it wasn't he wasn't actually there all along. It was that he died and his heart was the heart that they used um in the the heart transplant for her. So it was a nice twist. I actually liked it. Um but what's what I find funny about this movie in it it might just be because I've seen a lot of movies is that I kind of saw this twist coming from a mile away. I mean, like you said, it's on, it's literally like on the nose like with the song. Like it's so whatever. But um, the first thing that I picked up on and the people that I watched this movie with didn't pick up on it. Cause like they were all like, like I saw this movie with Brianna uh, and Scott and his girlfriend. So they all, I mean, Scott wasn't crying, but like, I think Scott's girlfriend was crying and Brianna was like, they like, like dry, like bawling, like literally bawling with that. Like when they revealed that scene and, um, like I've never seen someone cry so hard in a movie. Like, I mean, I saw her cry like that hard for Endgame, but you know what I mean? Like, I was like, wait, what? Like that shit hit you that hard. And, um, I kind of saw it coming from a mile away though, because I'm like, bro, like, like the first, the first indication that he's like a spirit guide or just not there was that this character does not interact with anybody other than her. Like literally with the second scene that he was in, I was like, Oh, he's not actually there. I don't know if, if, if you had like the same type of, yeah, uh, I definitely noticed that. Yeah. I was like, he. Literally <laughs> I, I noticed. I, I, okay. I'm not going to lie. I kind of realized it when she's like changing and he's covering her. 
um and like the guys are still like wooing and like awing and stuff but like no one's like really acknowledging the, oh i actually did not even like think about that but yeah that's actually a really i was good like point. i was like okay yeah this guy's 100 like a figment of her imagination or something yeah that's actually a great point um yeah because what i find funny though is that she uh like i said she like he doesn't interact like i feel like for movies that do this is very good at like like movies that do that are very good at it's easy to pick up on when they when the characters don't interact with anybody. Um, I'm trying to think of another movie that did this, and I can't think of it right now. At the Sixth top Sense. of my head, yeah, Six Sense is another one. But there was a movie that like, it was a perfect example. I I said it when I when we saw the film. Um, ah, it's gonna drive me insane now. I'll think about it later. But there's like a lot of movies do this, and when you could tell that they're not interacting with anybody, you. I mean, bro, Jojo Rabbit is honestly another one. Like, I mean, yeah, you, but you, you knew you that know Hitler wasn't like there. Yeah. But it's like, it's another thing where like, he just doesn't interact with anybody except Jojo. Oh, Fight Club is the one you're thinking of. Fight Club. Fight Club. Yes. Fight Club. Perfect example. Perfect example is Fight Club. And um, so, yeah, I mean, they do a really good job at that. And I, and I enjoyed it, but it's not the best movie ever, but it, it's good. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, Amelia Clark really carries the enjoyment of this movie like your enjoyment with Amelia clark's performance like will gauge or will judge your interest like in this film i think as it continues to go on um it's, it has some funny moments you know i i didn't really like laugh out loud and in, in many uh but you know i you know kind of chuckled but you know i still enjoyed my time with it i think i think the only scene that i really cracked up or not cracked up i just laughed out loud was um with Amelia Clark's character's uh, mom when she's like singing the, I don't even like just like some, was she Russian? What are they? That what? Oh, they like, are. I think they said that they were Yugoslavian. Yeah. Okay. So that they're singing, they're singing like some song from their country. Like you remember like that scene where she's like singing out loud the mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that scene was like that. I thought that was hilarious because they did it like they do it like twice in the movie with the mom singing. And uh, both both scenes, I think, are, are pretty funny. But there's not a lot of, you know, laugh out loud scenes in this film. It's it's not, I don't even know if it's like, would you label it as a comedy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. OK, well, I feel like I'd label it more as like a drama, but with some funny elements to it. No, I, I think it's like definitely a set out to be a comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like my big problem with the movie or not problem, but one thing I really would have changed um, that I think would make the movie better was if Tom's character was uh, fully like another main character rather than just a secondary character because I think that it would really drive um, you know the inevitable twist at the end like I think it would really drive that home a little better um, if we spent time with him like you know looking at his, things from his perspective and his point of view to then learn that you know he is a figment of of Amelia Clark's imagination um i think it would uh i think it would i I think the twist would really uh would really have much more impact that way 100 percent. um i mean that's really all i have to say this is really a film where i have it's it's a tons of thoughts but you know it's a fun cute movie if you like christmas films or if you're looking for something to watch this christmas uh i could definitely recommend this movie it's not gonna blow your mind but you know it's fun yeah I, i wouldn't go out of my way to watch it you know like anything crazy but if you know if you're if you're having a date night or something definitely go check it out um yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, like Steven and I both said, that we both rated a 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so that would probably be our rating for this movie. Um, that's really about it, man. I mean, that's that kind of concludes the podcast now. Yeah, so that uh, concludes this week's episode of it's of Backlot Review. Um, what are we going to be reviewing week, next? I'm going to try to watch Ford versus Ferrari, but for some reason, it's saying that it's sold out. Yes, I know. It's like, but it only insane. in the theater closest to us, which yeah, I've been make trying sense. to. I was actually thinking about like we were trying to watch it tonight, but um, but we're probably going to like wait till like Sunday or something. So, Is it yeah, I'm actually tonight? super. I think so. Like, but it still says sold out. I'll look into that. Um, well, we're gonna try to watch Ford versus Ferrari. I watch Noel, Lady and the Tramp, and we'll definitely talk about more Mandalorian stuff. Like, we'll probably talk about it episode by episode, honestly. Yeah, I mean, episode. But it's not our episode. Our next episode comes out. Episode two will already be out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm down to watch those movies. Yeah. Right, so, so uh, thanks for listening, coming. guys, and uh, see you next week.